Detroit Free Press and News spent years trying to track down those secret messages. They reveal a relationship between the mayor and his chief of staff that was far more than professional. It was apparently filled with love and lust. September 12, 2002, during the trip to Washington, D.C., Christine Beatty writes, Can I just come and lay down in your room until you get back? Kilpatrick responds, yes. The next morning, Kilpatrick, they were right outside the door, referring to the mayor's bodyguards. They had to have heard everything. Beatty, so we are officially busted. Ha ha. The mayor, ha ha. Damn that. Never busted. Busted is what you see. Ha ha. Beatty, ha ha. Damn. So they have to walk in before you can see busted. Ha ha. The mayor? Hell yeah. No bullshit. No bullshit. Let's just end breaking news. No more bullshit. No more bullshit. No bullshit. Hey, hey, yo. How about that? Hewlett Perkins' greatest hits. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. The heart and soul of this community we call Metro Detroit, Hewlett Perkins, anchorman of Fox 2 for a quarter of a century, is hanging up the microphone, going to play some bad golf and play some bad <laughs> piano. It's yep. over a week from today. I love the man. He joins us. I didn't want him waiting cold in the green room, but then we're going to get into it. The real business of society. We and our children, our roads, our borders, Washington, D.C., borders in foreign lands. Why won't the attorney general in Michigan investigate the nursing home debts a brawl at the mall karen predicted it <laughs> right right on the street he goes to the gas station slash grocery store and everybody's taking the bus damn that yeah damn that damn that what's going on <laughs> but before we get to it remember i'm gonna do this quickly thank you underwriters because it's packed we got to get to it American Coney Island, downtown Detroit, the heart and soul of it all, at Michigan and Lafayette, right by Campus Mars, right in the middle of this city. The fish sandwiches on Friday, it's Lent. Get them. Yeah, look at mine. Beautiful. Look how good mine looks right now. Oh, yeah, he ate it, this freaking guy over here. That's what happens when you're fat. That's what he does. We're getting ready for the show. We're always late because Mark's always eating. (laughs) Hey, we're on time today. Because it's that good. It is. Remember, it's final. It's uh, March Madness. Go blue. Go green. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Don't be haters now, Mark and Charlie. Come on now. I don't hate. It's got Michigan in it. I'm for it. Yeah. There you go. That's what we're all about, right? Love you. Love you. So, listen, you can can always get uh, Coney's delivered right to your door. Get 12 dogs, all the fixings. Ship right to your door. Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. And, as always, you got to get stuff done in this town. This town won't let you get it done. It's eating into your bottom line. You're trying to build. You're trying to demolish. 
you call ADR. It's pretty simple. They're the ones you call when you need to get something done uh, on time and on budget, ethical, honest, smart, and discreet. And called- fast. I had, to, uh, I had to email them for something this week. and Literally, after I hit send, I got a response from him. And then I had to respond to that. And he goes, we'll hit it next next week. I'm out of town. I'm like, all right, cool. But hold he's on, on top s- of it. Oh, is that him? Yeah, no, hold on a second. Uh, hold on here. Is this breaking? Stand by, stand by. Breaking news here. Um, <laughs> but call Barry Ellentuck at 248-318-9424 for a free consultation. It is... Our on-the-ground correspondent in Lviv, Ukraine. Let's find out what's happening here. Hold on. Tatras, what's up? I'm here. What's up? What's good? Well, you're calling me in the middle of the show. You keep doing this. There's no kind of correspondent. Listen, I got your message this morning. You're telling me that the Ukrainian soldiers are bitching that they don't have any, any ammunition? That's uh, that's the bitching that they've been bitching for for the last couple of days. Well, we, the Russians are trying to uh, attack them from all sides, and they will be unable to fight them in a couple of days because their ammo is running out. Uh, okay, where are you currently? Like, don't t- don't tell us specifically. Uh, we're close to Lviv. Okay, are you still shuttling people in that Hummer from Hamtramck? I am. Okay, he's a freedom fighter, man. This is uh, Taras Petros. All right, dude. We got to get to it. We heard it. We need the Ukrainian fighters to get the ammunition. We promised they're running out. That's live. That's real. All right, brother. I'll call you back later, all right? Okay. All right, bye. Wow. How about that, Huel? You like this show, bro? I love it, and I miss you, Charlie. Yeah, I, I miss wish you. you were back with us, man. You you were a part of our family for years. Uh, what happened? I don't know. I tried to stop it. I couldn't, but Lord, I do miss you. You are my brother. You are my soulmate in the news. And uh, I'm old. Time for me to go. Time for young people like you to rise. I'm old, bro. (laughs) I'm old. Karen's got pins in her foot. Hey, I'm not old, though. I'm I'm clumsy, but I am not embracing old, okay? She's a brilliant woman, but she can't walk well. It's okay. (laughs) Let me do this, Huel, because I learned it from you. I won't go into all that. Huel Perkins first came to WJBK, Jesus Be Kind. Yes, indeed. People don't know that Fox 2 used to be a religious news station, JBK, Jesus Be Kind. In 1989, when the station was known as TV2, in his 32 years in Detroit, Hules traveled the country with Nelson Mandela, the Pope, covered what? I don't think you've missed a convention, have you? No, of course not. Uh, I missed the last two. Yes, I was on the anchor disc. Oh, the two big ones. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You famously, the Hudson's... uh, uh, building coming down and Hules, uh, Hules reporting yeah. directly oh, was, yeah. in the destruction cloud of a skyscraper, which I, I hope heads rolled after that. I, I, I'm still coughing up that stuff today. Yes, <laughs> which reminds me of 9-11. I'm still coughing that up. That, yes, you, that, you covered the 2008 world economic collapse, GM's collapse, Kwame Kilpatrick's collapse, the ascension of Barack Obama, the collapse of Detroit, uh, perhaps the rebirth of Detroit. You've been trying to push that narrative. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, the ascension and uh, fall of Donald Trump. The ascension of uh, Joe Biden, and uh, you know how that one's going. Man, you brother, I'm just gonna say this, and we'll just let it rip, which you're the host of. 
the coolest show ever. I get to Detroit in 2008, and I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, that's how you do a public affairs show. Get them in a room and let it rip. Let people say it. And it, in order to moderate that, you got to be good. You're, how do you prepare for so many different characters, so many different subjects, for all the young people listening that want to do what you do and are never going to be able to copy it? Let well, it rip. Here's, here's, here's the deal. I am the host, but no, I'm not the star. The secret to let it rip is choosing guests who are articulate, intelligent, like Karen Dumas, like Charlie LaDuff, who know the subject matter. All I have to do is ask the right question and magic happens. But it's all in choosing the guests. And you do it too. You do it every day on your show. You choose the guests with intimate, intricate knowledge of the subject matter. And you just prick that sphere of influence, that sphere of knowledge, and it just pops out. It rips. No, it no, 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 no. See, here's the thing, man. I've been around now, right? I, I've been on these bonehead shows, all of them, national, local. You're actually prepared. You, you bring a point of view. You know the subject matter. You know the guests. And then you have a point of view. And the difference with Let It Rip is you're willing to show what you think. I don't think in the beginning you were comfortable with that, were you? Well, in fact, the show didn't start that way. The show started as just a discussion program involving Fox 2 reporters. We would have uh, myself, a reporter, uh, Dan Miller, the sports guy, even Rich Luderman, the weather guy. And we would have a, a bell. It was only 15 minutes long. And we would go from one subject to the next. No one could speak longer than one minute. And when the minute was up, the bell would ring. And we'd go to the next guy to the next subject. It really took off, though, when Kwame Kilpatrick hmm. ran into his political and criminal trouble. When we invited people who loved Kwame and supported him Hell and yeah. invited people who hated him on the same show, that exploded, let it rip in terms of popularity. It became must-see TV for, for, for a long time. The same thing happened when we had Sam Riddle, who would, was under investigation by the FBI, but who would come on the show and challenge the FBI to indict him. <laughs> if, you got, if you got anything on the FBI, indict me, indict me. And we would run down everything he was accused of, everything he might have done. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, he was indicted. So, I mean, so that's, that's what happens. I try to bring people on who are intimately, emotionally connected to the subject matter, who know a lot about it, and all I have to do simply is find the right avenue to get them to talk, and voila, that's it. You do it too, right here on the No BS News. Are you do the same thing? But Hugh, what you did was you brought you you created a platform where people were able to have the conversations that they have off camera, the ones they have at restaurants and with their friends, and you created that platform. So and brought both of those sides together. For the purpose of a solution, a better understanding, or at least just sharing, you know, two different perspectives. Well, I think, too, when you when you talk in that kind of format, Karen, you realize that the people that you oppose in terms of their positions mm -hmm. 
are people that you can talk with, you can find common ground with, if you just try. And 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 your producer, Ken Beck, we got to give him some love, right? Okay, you are sneaky motherfuckers. Uh, Ken, no, Ken, you Ken you Beck do- is a flag waving, diehard conservative, and uh, I consider myself uh, a middle of the road. Um, oh, you're a lib. Provocateur. <laughs> but uh, I think the two of us have worked very, very well together. Oh, but you guys yeah, are let me, awesome. Let me give, definitely, hats off, a tip of the hat to Ken Beck. And, and no, you know, I was, dro- drop that about, you know, I'd be surprised once in a while. I'd come on and then, uh, you know, there'd be like Sam Riddle. <laughs> they pit us against each other. <laughs> exactly. Or me next to the mayor, like, motherfucker, did they, they just pull my pants down here? So you got to be on when, when you're on that show because he does let it rip, right? You're not playing nice. But since we're talking about, you're going you're gonna to hang it up here. Look, man, this is Metro Detroit, right? This is Michigan. Not an easy place. Pretty rugged, pretty blue collar, scrappy. We're like the, the nicest, meanest people in America. And... Racial animus is still alive, and you've handled it with aplomb. In in a sense, like you're the only guy in mass media here that can can talk it. How did you accomplish that? Because I lived it, Charlie. Because I lived it. I'm 67, born in 1954. Even though Brown versus the Board of Education was a landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court, it did not change my life in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, until I was a teenager. So even in the early 60s, you would still see signs in Baton Rouge, whites only. Here I am, 9, 10, 11 years old, and there were places I couldn't go in the city of my birth. There were things I couldn't do in the city where I was born. And people want to say, oh, this is not a racist country. Yes, it was a racist country. Hell yeah, it was a racist country. And it's, it, it bothers me that you don't want to remove statues of Confederate soldiers because, oh, you're trying to erase our history. But you don't want your children to be taught about what your grandfather or your uncle did to little kids like me. You don't want them to know about that. So that's why I come from that perspective. I lived it. And I saw the change. I went from a kid being told to wait in the closet to see a dentist to being an anchor man on a station in Detroit. But I also realized that there are good people everywhere. The change in this country did not happen with us alone. Yes, I praise Martin Luther King Jr. I praise Rosa Parks, but there are other people who are also involved in that fight, who are white, who are totally different than me. So I learned early on that the people you think are enemies can sometimes become your friends. It just takes a process of engagement, engagement. And I've never believed that anyone comes into this world hating, You don't come into this world with a closed mind. Most of us develop our attitudes based on our experiences. And because over the years, I was allowed to grow and to achieve, I want to be sure that everybody has that same opportunity, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from. Now, I talked about what happened when I was a kid. You know, when I moved here to to Michigan, my first home was in Birmingham, Michigan. 
they spray painted the words no inner inward in Birmingham on my garage door no in the way. early 90s. Really? While I was an anchor man on TV. In the 90s? In the 90s. I'll show you the article. Wow. But here's, here's, here's the thing. I knew they must have been stupid because they misspelled Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, the point is, though, I believe in the ultimate goodness of people. No matter what their behavior, no matter what their backgrounds, I believe that somehow, someway, we can connect to each other, despite sometimes the beliefs, the prejudices, the biases that keep us apart. See, and that's that, brother, TV news. <laughs> Your legacy is bigger than that. Your legacy is, is that which you say, which has taught us to be better with each other. Yes. In the end, that's because I mean it, bro. Like you're a spiritual center, at least to me. You've been so kind to me, gracious to me. You taught me. You walked me through things. You advised me. You're a rock. I think we're going to miss that. And I don't think, along with Monica Gale, your partner of a couple decades, are leaving, that that's ever going to be replaced. I don't know. You know, I, there's an old Paul Simon song, and the lyric goes, every generation throws a hero up the pop chart. Bill Bonds, to me, is the greatest anchor in Detroit. He had his troubles. He had his foibles. He had difficulties here and there, but I think he was one of the greatest communicators. He yeah. was a mentor to Rich Fisher. Rich Fisher was a mentor to me. I have been a mentor to Rup Raj. And so a part of Bill was in Rich, a part of Rich is in me, a part of me is in Rup. He's different, but I think he will bring his own value to that anchor desk. He will bring something special to to the generation he serves. And so I don't think that anybody is irreplaceable. I'm certainly not. And I'm just going to enjoy watching it all unfold on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Huel, when you got here, I mean, it was Bill Bonds, Mort Krim, four and seven battling each other. How good did it feel when you finally got that show rolling and became what the, the highest rated uh, news program in Detroit? Well, we were, but look, it was a team effort, not me. It's not, not oh, just me. Oh, come on. You were the anchor. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm it the was me. I'm the <laughs> ringmaster, but I'm not the star of the show. I never felt that. One of my great talents is finding stars. I found Charlie LaDuff. <laughs> Thank you. I saw Charlie LaDuff. At first, I was, I was reading some of his articles. He's a brilliant writer. He's a, let me tell you, you know, you know this. His books are phenomenal. Mm. They're poetry. They're meaningful. They're emotional. If I could, I'd, I'd, I'd turn this first book into a movie. But anyway, I recognize talent, and I think it's important for us to accept characters. Not the standard network news guy. I'm the anchorman. Indubitably. No, no. no. You got to be real. And what I saw in Charlie the Duff, I have never seen in anybody. But I saw him do, uh, I think it was Hold the Onions. Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated. I said, I got to get this guy somehow, some way. 
Uh, I went that was to, a total ripoff of Let It Rip. You know that. that well, I didn't know that. It was, it was crazier than Let It Rip now. No, it was much crazier than Let It Rip. Well, yeah. I mean, you, guys, you guys were singing. <laughs> this guy got something over here. I think we can you go. I think we can go. Songs. We can go crazy. <laughs> we don't do that on Let It Rip. But uh, I went in to Dana Hall and I said, look, uh, you know, we need to get this guy in and somehow, some way. Uh, he appeared on, on Let It Rip a few times. And I said, he's going to bring something special to our reporting that you're not going to see anywhere else. And I don't remember what piece it was or what you did, but it, it was I took a, a shower with little... Sam Riddle before he was going to prison. <laughs> that, that, well, that's how I first saw you, yeah. but no, that was interesting, but you've done other pieces that have just been so moving. When you talk to mothers who've lost their children to murder, when you, you go out in the streets, when you golf through the streets of Detroit, when you take, a boat ride along the river. You did things that no one else ever did before. And you were a big, big part of our success. No question about it. But that's, that's I think, my, my greatest skill, recognizing talent. What Charlie Lanton. I know, you know, these things, people think it's crazy. Yeah, but that's what I get. That's what I get. Well, that's what I tell you right now. But look, again, the secret to Fox 2 success back then, characters. Oh yeah, characters, characters welcome. You're going to see something on Fox Two that you won't see sure. anywhere else. Was was that and not compelling television? Was that not the golden the, the to, That was the last golden age until the next golden age. I, exactly. Yeah. In my yeah. memoirs, that 2008 till you know 2018, that ten years was insanity. It was. What a crew, was. Andrea Isom. But, but, but we we covered it better than anybody. <laughs> we did. It was. And, and that's a that's a part of we would why we number. But let me also give credit though to my first news director and the guy that made me the anchor, Neil Goldstein. Neil Goldstein was also a genius. I was about to go to Atlanta. I had an offer from WAGA in Atlanta to anchor the news there. And in fact, they made an announcement in the papers down in Georgia that Hugh Perkins is coming to Atlanta. I didn't have signed a contract yet. I should never have done that. Uh, but uh, Neil Goldstein, Jim Clayton came into town. And for some reason, Jim Clayton's grandmother loved me. I have no idea why. But when Jim came to town. Handsome guy like his you. Mother, his mother says, where is that, that Perkins? Hugh Perkins? Uh, I like him. Why, why can't you make him the anchor? He said, Mom, let me see. He called. He said, have you signed the contract yet? I said, no. He said, well, come back in. You're going to be the leading. <laughs> that's how it happens. That's how it happens in TV. I'm leaving. I'm going to leave <laughs> if you don't give me That's, that's right. You're right. <laughs> and look, and I tell young people all the time, you know, you don't have to leave, but let people know that there's somebody else interested in you. You never know how much people will love you when they know that somebody else wants you. See, I never, I never listened to that, Huel. I was just like, fuck it, I'm done. Uh, now he gets to go like buy some new clubs, right? Yeah. Play bad golf, buy a piano, play bad music. And do, and do, are you going to do uh, window commercials? No. No, no magic windows. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do commercials for Jeffrey Feiger, uh, Mike Morse. Ben Johnson? No, I don't do that. I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. I've been very well rewarded in my career. Did you ever get paid a million a year? Uh, I was close. Never was got. Close. He never got the mill. Hmm. Never got the mill a year. No. Never got the mill. That was like the generation I, before you. 
I got the 999,000, but not the mill. <laughs> <laughs> One year of that. But look, man. I'm very, I'm very blessed. I have no complaint. I never have to work again in life. So I'm very, very blessed. What's but, the biggest uh, story? I, I am going to do something. Look, I want to plug my wife's organization. She is now the president and CEO of the Accounting Aid Society. She's going to work while I enjoy life at home. But uh, her organization is out there trying to make sure that low and middle income families keep more of their money when they file their taxes. So Priscilla Perkins is doing a great job. I'm going to help her free of charge. So that's it. Normally, somebody gives a plug, I start yelling all over them, but I respect you so much, man. Um, real quick, uh, last, last two questions from me. What's the biggest story you ever covered? Anchor, reporter, what, what, what's, what's the one? Look, it's not big in terms of maybe impact to everybody else. The most meaningful story is the most meaningful person I talk to, and that's Rosa Parks. When I got a chance to interview Rosa Parks and to thank her for all she's done and how her courage changed my life, I was in heaven and I'm still grateful for that experience. And to hear her say, Charlie, well, I watch you too. Oh, wow. I'd like to watch you. That, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I feel that. I got tingle there. Wow. That's it. Yeah. That's probably got to beat all the radio stations that play the drops of you reading Kwame's texts. Well, you know, they don't play the Look, Monica did the Christine Beatty part. Nobody plays her part. But, you know, <laughs> I want to get some Because she didn't go, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. My, my last one here, my last one, brother, is now I'm, I'm asking you to reveal something, right? This, this could help the future. What's gone wrong with news? Newspapers, local news, national. You know there's a problem. Put it, tell, tell us what's wrong and how we get out of it. Uh, Charlie, it, it, the only thing that will save the current trajectory of the big news media outlets and the station, my station, which is owned by a huge conglomerate, the only thing that will change it is money and people like you. People doing what you are doing. But this behemoth now, this giant cruise ship is headed in one direction with one goal, and that is to make money. This all started when CBS and NBC, before ABC really caught up, when CBS and NBC realized they could make money from news. Initially, it was a service, a public service, and it was presented as such information that you can use to make your life better. Information that you can digest so that you will know what's going on. But when they learned that you can make money from it, it exploded. We have the Today Show, we have the Evening Shows, we have 2020, we have Weekend Shows. Now we've got cable too. You can get your information from a wide variety of sources, two or 300 stations if you need to every conceivable kind of cable channel, every conceivable kind of attitude in the presentation. And because the audience now is so split between beliefs and opinions, it will be impossible to return to the kind of news gathering that you envision. That's gone and it's gone forever. So 
you with the no BS news hour, you're going to have to do that. But if you're going to look to ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox News, that's not going to happen. They're going to pick theirs. They know because everything's so siloed. And they look, they encourage it. The demonic Roger Ailes, rest his soul, wouldn't let me use his toilet intuitively that if you give people information colored in what they already believe, you'll get an audience. And that's where we are. So that everything that happens is somehow colored through the lens of what we already believe politically or philosophically. And that is the problem. And it's not going to stop. It's getting so bizarre. The people who watch Fox News feel comfortable there. They won't leave. The people who watch MSNBC feel comfortable there. They're not going to leave. And they won't hold their own wing to account. Like what I'm trying to, I'm getting and it's starting to really weigh on me, which is I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a member of the community. And I got to call it as I see it. And once you do it, you start getting the, hey, you know, you don't say anything about Republicans. It's like, forget about the Republicans. I want to talk about the old people dying in the nursing homes, something that we all care about. But we kind of don't. Or do we? I don't think it's lost, Huel. Do you think it's lost? All is lost. No, not all is lost, but, but it is forever changed. It is forever changed. That is just the way it is. I mean, time, time marches on. And so you're going to have to be the voice in the wilderness. You're going to have to be out there. You have investigated both Republicans, Democrats, independents. You don't care who they are, what they think. You care what they do because that is the greatest indi- indication of who they are. And so if, if people are dying in Michigan and New York and dying because of poor decisions, yes, we mentioned it. We talked about it. We certainly mentioned it on Letter Rip. You know that. Yes. Dr. So, lab coat. Yes. But, but that is what is necessary. And all I can say is, uh, my brother, keep up the good fight. I love keep you, man. Are we going to golf? I love you, too. I love you too, brother. Yes, I'm going to go, but look out because you know I'm bad. And I'm going to write some amazing music that only I will love. You're going to write rap tunes? <laughs> You're going to write rap tunes, bro? I, I Don't get me started with rap now. <laughs> I already tried that, Charlie. It didn't work. But before you go, Hugh, let me publicly say just how much I appreciate you, what you've done for me as a person, as a professional. You've been there. Uh, just in in ways that you may not even realize. You know, I like to think I'm special, but you do that for so many people. Um, So I thank you for your investment in the community and in the people in the community. It means the world. So I know you and Charlie love each other. I love you as well. I appreciate you. I wish you and Priscilla the best. Um, And and, and hopefully I don't have to look too far to see you since I can't see you on the news at night. I'm going to be around. My my house is paid for, so I'm going to be around. But uh, Karen, you you are a, a brilliant young woman, and you have also been a, a great asset to us on Let It Rip. Lying That's media, why I keep fake you news. But uh, uh, Karen's I'm going to I'm going to be fake news? I'm going to be watching all of you. You hear that fake news, Karen? He called you young. What'd you say, Charlie? You, you hear that fake news? He's calling you young. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 67, guys. I'm almost 70. <laughs> wow. And, Huel, I just wanted to echo what both Charlie and Karen said by saying, You had me at hello, Jerry Maguire, 2000. Ha ha. <laughs>
Thank you. Uh, and and to Monica, Gail. Yeah. Yep. Life well lived, job well done. We love and respect you. And that's the end of that era, but not the end of good lives. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Monica and I appreciate you all so much. Kill Corcus, oh. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> love you. He got out before that whole place collapsed. He goes, I went out number one. I went out number one. I, when I left, it was no, no, go get him, Rook. Get him, brother. Come he's, on. He's so damn good, man. Yeah. And man. honest. Right? All right, listen. But, but, uh, but, but he was a good person. Yes. And I always say that good people make good professionals. Like, you have to bring your personality to the job that you do. So, I mean, his heart is in all that he does. And, 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 and we're better for it. Indeed. Now, listen, uh, before we get to the rant, I just want to let you know that interest rates are going up. You heard it this week. Mm-hmm. I got a strategy. You call David Hall at 866-CALL-HALL or chat with him and his people at callhallfirst.com. Callhallfirst.com. Dig it. I had this thought. I can give you the, the time is now, free appraisals, all that. Okay, you know that. You listen to this program. Money's getting tight. Think about this. If you need money and you have an asset, where's that money? What asset is that? It's your house. Stick with me here. David, I'm going off script. If you need cash quickly, don't get a home equity loan in that way. They're they're higher than a mortgage. They're higher. Five, six now? Something like this. Right? Mortgage rates are still at historical lows. Think about refinancing your house, getting a nest egg, lowering your payment, right? Mm-hmm. They're still low. And if, you, if you're like, what am I going to do if I need cash, kids going to college? Don't do the home equity loan. Think about that refinance. And then, of course, if you're buying, you know where to go. 5,000 five-star reviews. Right? If you're just refinancing because you want to do something with the kitchen, refinancing's the way. If you're looking first-time homeowner and there's a house out there you want, get the mortgage in place so you're not standing in line because the dude with half cash came in before you. Get it done. David Hall, 866-CALL-HALL or callhallfirst.com. We use them. We stand by them. Good people. And aren't the appraisals free right now? I'm seeing that on their television. Uh, yeah, I said that. I could, so I yes, that I, I could tell you all about that. <laughs> and it'll get done in five days. And, you know, if you don't want to come in your house, they can do it virtually. All of that. <laughs> but they're going to take care of you. Now, before, yeah. we get, before we get to Todd Benzman, right, to discuss what's going on on our southern border, I want to bring you, you know, my musings from this week. They're very hard for me. Because so much is going on, I try to figure out what's going on with you that's also going on with me so we can talk about us. And this week, it came to me. My daughter is learning to drive. And there I sit in the co-pilot's chair, barking out lane-changing etiquette while tossing out shiny pebbles of dull adult anxiety. Look at that, I said to her. <laughs> she freaks. I'm pointing to the gas station marquee advertising gasoline at $4.69 a gallon. And this ain't L.A., right? Yeah. This is a nine mile. I say to her, 
You're learning to drive at a time when gas is the most expensive it's ever been in human history. You should remember that. It's fucking dad, right? So I start thinking about the 45 cent per gallon gas tax Governor Whitmer dreamed up one day in the back of her state chauffeured SUV. Thank God that didn't go through because if gas hits 514 a gallon, my kid's going to be hitchhiking to school. Either that or taking the smart bus and then having to walk a final mile. Turn here, I instruct my daughter. Unable to explain the virtue of the so-called Michigan left. You know, you got to go an eighth of a mile to make a left and then go back an eighth of a mile, which is a quarter mile. And at these prices, that means it's a fucking nickel every time we want to go left. Who came up with this? So we pull into the bagel shop. The prices there have gone up too. Actually, they skyrocketed. An eight ounce orange juice sells for a whopping $4.99. For some math, at that price, orange juice is going for $79.84 a gallon. Holy crap! I look up from my thin billfold toward the voice. It's the guy standing next to me staring owl-eyed at the cash register. Bro, prices are never coming back down, are they? He says with a muted terror. Not with all that money they printed over the last 20 years. And I'm thinking it's good to know I don't feel alone, but it's little solace. We get back in the car. The roads are a fucking disaster. I teach my daughter to dodge and weave like it's a Baja off-road endurance race. <laughs> Someone on Woodward's lost a tire. Road cruiser laying patch. And I don't have the heart to tell my daughter that since the governor couldn't get her 45 cent a gallon gas tax past the Republicans to fix the damn roads, she borrowed $4 billion to patch the damn roads instead, and it's money my daughter and her friends are going to have to repay, and they're going to be fucked up again because we're patching them. So we listen to the news on the radio. Another double murder in Detroit. My daughter knows things aren't going well in the big city. No matter what Mayor Mike Duggan says, Duggan can say whatever he wants since nobody's got the guts or energy to challenge him. But my daughter listens to the radio with me every morning. She knows. Homicides are not down in Detroit, as his honor says. It's just that the police are not including the number of people killed by other people in the name of self-defense. When you add up those numbers, homicide totals are exactly the same as they were last year. And they're way above what they were in 2019. It's not progress. I tell my daughter that a person in Detroit is 50 times more likely to be forced to take the life of another person for reasons of self-defense than the average American citizen. That's terrible, she says. Sure it is, I say. Why don't they fix it, she asks. I want to tell her that they pretend to fix it, that the former chief of police manipulated crime data and response times in his eight years on the job to make himself and the mayor look good. I want to tell her that the former chief of police promoted a cop who's been accused of rape by three different female cops. You know it's bad in your town when cops are raping cops. Allegedly. I want to tell her how their narcotics unit in the DPD was twice busted after some bad cops stole and shook down dope dealers and how three commanding officers of that drug squad were no not dismissed demoted no, they didn't go to trial board no they were promoted to the position of deputy chief or how another former deputy chief uh, who worked for the former chief <laughs> went to prison for bribery oh, God. 
I want to tell her that the former chief of Detroit police, James E. Craig, is now running for the Republican nomination for governor of Michigan, promising to fix things based on his distorted record of law and order. But that all seems too much at the moment. I need my daughter to focus on the broken roads. Make a Michigan left here, I commander. Another five cents. The roads in the subdivision are worse than the main thoroughfare. With a little swerving and diving, we arrive without incident or flat tire at the school parking lot. Kids are putting on their masks as they approach the building, even though they don't have to wear masks anymore. It's become the culture now, my daughter informs me. Kids kind of like it. Plus, it has the benefit of hiding pimples. So there's that. Yeah. It will be exactly two years next week that Governor Whitmer ordered shelter in place to protect the most vulnerable among us from COVID-19. We knew then, as we know now, the most vulnerable are the elderly. Huh? Yes? Yep. Am I wrong? Is this right? You're right. Karen? Yes, is it that is right, Charlie. Todd, is that right? Yes. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Mannequin? Yes. Okay. <laughs> particularly most vulnerable were the elderly living in nursing homes and who still are living in nursing homes. Thanks to an independent audit, we now know in Michigan, we didn't even count the nursing home dead properly, much less protect those living in them. But this doesn't seem to bother Attorney General Dana Nessel. Instead of investigating the treatment of people in state sanctioned nursing homes, Nessel has decided to kick the political can, preferring to tweet about her Patty's Day drinking habits instead. <laughs> that didn't work too well for her. It's like they want us to forget the whole thing ever happened. But here our kids are still wearing the masks. We've done nothing to help them come down from a perpetual state of anxiety and isolation heaped upon them by us the bickering adults who aren't wearing the masks anymore. We've done nothing to help school children peel their noses away from the screens that we required them to do or come out from behind their blue facial curtains. Not a COVID denier. Not unvaccinated right here. This is the truth. So flag me, Facebook. It's the truth. You know what my daughter said to me? Mm -hmm. Looking around, I ain't hassling, just trying to understand. She said to me, I think it's almost time for me maybe to take off the mask. And she stuffed the remaining $2.49 of orange juice into her book bag. Don't worry, Pop, she told me. It's all going to be fine. I'm the one who's supposed to say that. But I don't have the heart to tell her that I think the guy at the bagel shop is right that adults don't really know what they're doing, that we don't have really very many good leaders. Have a great day, I tell her instead. Why ruin the morning? Good head on those shoulders there, man. Yeah. Anybody and, feel and, this and, and you're raising, you're raising, Charlie, a leader, and hopefully she will have the opportunity to take and apply her perspective and what she's learned in a different platform where it will actually make a difference. It doesn't get caught up in the process of days gone by. Man, what are we leaving them? A Bad mess. roads. How's her driving? It's good. Yeah? Yeah, good. it's good. It's good. It's, it's nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. Today I said very little. 
<laughs> Were you white knuckled holding on? To no, no, I'm good. But right. you know, I'm you. You guys, I think it's pretty I, obvious the kind of person I am. It's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All you gotta do is grab the wheel when you need to grab the wheel. Okay. Now, uh, before I bring in Todd Bensman, senior NASA security fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies, author who's written a piece in the Federalist this month. He's writing everywhere. He writes particularly about border security, right? Yes. He's been we got to talk about financial security. Oh, yeah. Very important. Everybody be guessing. Don't be guessing. Call Luke Nowacki. Stocks, bonds, gold, mortgage refi. Mark is down. It's up. It's a yo-yo. It's a yo-yo. There's a different kinds of yo-yos. There's your old wooden yo-yo, the butterfly. There's the one that sparkles and sizzles. <laughs> yeah. Don't go for the sparkle and sizzle with your hard-earned money. <laughs> Let Luke yo-yo it. Luke Nowacki has x-ray vision. He's not blinded. <laughs> Maybe it's Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't know. Call him at 248-663-4748 for personal, focused, tailored financial advice if you actually work for a living call financial specialist luke nowacki good friend of the program 248-663-4748 thinking about your dad luke not getting treated well in them nursing homes mm. that's a conservative man as well you know you have to be when you're doing money money yeah oh god yeah call me hell yeah hell yeah all right Todd Bensman. What's up, brothers? Good to hear you. are muted. I'm sick of me. I'm sick of muting. I'm sick of I'm all sick of, of Zoom. I'm, so sick, of I'm sick of blue face mask. <laughs> I'm sick of all of it. I'm sick of this guy from Pfizer every two months coming on. Gotta get another shot. Let me get something straight here before we do this. Yeah. Those that get vaccinated, this is just math. It's data. Those that get vaccinated tend to die less. That's all I'll say about it. Is that right, Mark? Yes. You, yeah. you, you are the and data. Yeah. You are the tremoring data, COVID nerdy, scaredy cat dude. Oh, I just find it interesting. That is correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's correct. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm I'm uh, live free or die. Do what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Good thing this thing really wasn't the bubonic plague because we're, we're all gone. Yeah. So that's what <laughs> I say. Is that right, Karen? It's true. Whatever you say is true, Charlie. I like that. I like that. <laughs> say it again. We'll, we'll record that. And whatever you say. Whatever you say is true, Charlie. <laughs> okay, Todd. Todd Benzman, how are you, brother? I'm doing well. Thank you. Very entertaining in the green room here. <laughs> are you liking the program? Yeah. Uh, God, man, I hope I can bring the energy, but uh, I don't know if I can compete. No, I've been listening to you on all of these wonky political guy. You know, all the guys that wear stripe tie type podcasts. You're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't compete with those stripe tie guys. I, I don't want to. It's not, you know, it's not getting to the, the people, all the people. So listen, Todd, I wrote a story about Isam Bazi, a Venezuelan national who's on the terror watch list with quote-unquote highly derogatory information attached. It's classified, can't know what it is. 
they ship them up here to Dearborn. Now, you picked up on and done way more and way better work than I did. Let me just ask this, because then I know you're just going to run with it. Have you ever heard of a guy on the terror watch list being allowed into the country? No, of course not. It's it's not done. It's not allowed. Uh, somebody who, well, uh, the ones that come over the border, especially those guys are uh, detained, interrogated, uh, everything that we can figure out about them, uh, whether they'll cooperate, whether they're with other people, whether they've got some kind of plot, who their smuggler was, uh, what route they took where they get their money, all sorts of, there's a lot of material to collect from these guys. And as soon as we're done with them, they're out. We, de we deport them to somewhere if we can't send them to their home country. So the thing about your piece that really struck me was that he, that guy's running around uh, pursuing an asylum claim of all things, uh, because not only do you not get a, a, you know permission to leave detention and evade deportation, but you sure as hell don't get access to the U.S. asylum system. So this story's not over. I know we're, we're, we, we haven't had much to report lately, but, but that is an important story. And I think, I think maybe you and I may be the only ones still to have written about it. I know we've gotten some, you were on Fox with it on Tucker, and I'm glad. But I'm just kind of surprised that nobody else has picked up. This is a nonpartisan I think apolitical. so. I'd be happy to be on MSNBC. Like this yeah, is this is the safety of the community. This is after years of surveillance on ourselves and cameras and ubiquitous law enforcement and other governmental agencies in my life. Like this is what we get. Well, it was a hell of a scoop, uh, and um, I was. Uh, I think I must have had half a dozen people send it to me. Because uh, that's in my that's in my wheelhouse fully, and uh, I was really glad to see that you did that uh, and that you you uh, put it out there like that. And you know, at some point, uh, somebody's going to have to write about it. Uh, he, he's probably going to get surveilled. I'm sure that they are watching him. Somebody's watching him. Uh, they have they have criminal predicate since he's on the watch list. It's the TSDB list. So it's the main one. It's not some sub list or something like that. He's on the list. And and highly derogatory, uh, so sure right? Highly derogatory information, meaning this isn't you're related to some guy that knows the guy. This means there's right. some credible connections. Yeah. And on top of that, uh, you know, he, he, um, it looks like he is, uh, listed as a what they call a category five group member. Normally, those are kind of like a neutral threat. I mean, it's not good to have a terrorist group member in your country. We still deport the heck out of those people. Uh, but in this case, he's a group, he's a category five with this substantial derogatory intelligence on him. And the FBI uh, says that he's a flight risk uh, so, like, what part of flight risk don't you get, ICE headquarters? Uh, I would really love to know who made that decision. And I, uh, you know, I think that there are eight or nine uh, congressmen and women who are interested in that, too. So I don't think we're quite done with this thing. And um, That's you pushing it because I, I know, like, two. 
and you know they go they go silent. I can't get an answer of something that is meaningful. And and to show you where this is at, okay, this is my opinion, Todd, and you can address my opinion. And again, nonpartisan here. Bush was awful. Obama, I don't know what he got done. Trump was awful. Biden's probably as bad as Bush. That's my opinion. But I'll say this. The inspector general of the Pentagon did a little study of the 60,000 Afghanis that we brought in. And as you all know, I support bringing them in. They'll be good for the fabric of society. They were our allies. We don't leave them to die. We got room for this. But at least, according to the inspector general, four dozen at least four dozen of these people we let in weren't properly vetted. They have ties to terrorism. One guy, at least, in the footnotes of this report, they found latent fingerprints on a bomb, and that dude's running around here somehow, and we don't know where they are. Is that right, Todd? Well, yeah, that was a credible report. It's coming from the uh, OIG, uh, and it doesn't get better than that. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was surprised to... Um, that they were able to get that out so fast. Uh, and this was what Republicans were arguing all along. I mean, it really... Uh, Pause you there. It's, an, it's, a, it's a democratic administration. So this is even bigger than that. The fact that it even gets out. Yeah. Uh, but, but nevertheless, what it shows... I mean, again, I, I think it's nonpartisan. These are Homeland Security matters. Uh, blue and red are all one on these things. I don't... Uh, there should never be a case where uh, Democrats or Republicans ignore things because it looks bad on whoever's whoever's in office. And unfortunately, I think that's what's happening here. But it's an OIG report. Uh, they are going to uh, the Pentagon and uh, DOD and um, the FBI and all the different agencies that are involved here are going to have to fix the problem. And I do believe they will fix the problem, which was a, a, a problem of databases kind of connecting with each other, uh, where okay. when they run a name and fingerprints that it, okay. it, Stop, it Todd. hits. Stop, Todd. Stop. Yeah, okay, sorry. No, no, <laughs> it's, it's a databases again. How big are these fucking budgets? The Pentagon has never submitted to an audit. Big are these budgets? It's like it's like Michigan in the nursing homes. This database doesn't talk to that database, and we're arguing about how we're counting that. Fuck off. Just fuck <laughs> off. Now, now what do we have? Let me move it now. Order 42. Order 42 is our immigration policy. Title 42, yeah. What is it? Title. Title 42, that's the uh, pandemic control pushback policy at the border. Meaning you can't get in, we're freezing it, even for asylum, because of the pandemic. That's being lifted. It looks like they're going to lift that thing here in the next couple weeks. They may, they may put it off. It's every two months they have to renew it. And that thing is the only one that had a... Um, some kind of a break, a breaking effect on the mass migration that's happening at the border. Now, keep in mind that we have had 
2 million apprehensions in the last 12 months, 2.3 million apprehensions in the, in the last, that's the most in American history by far. We're Another in most in American totally history. New territory. Another uh, most in American totally history. New territory. The gas yes. is the highest in American history. The, the amount yes. of people apprehended at the border is the highest in American history. The inflation rate is the highest in American history. Do not tweet me and call me some kind of partisan hack. I am your brother. I am not happy. This is ridiculous. We got probably, if this is lifted, unvetted, unvaxxed, not needing to be vaxxed, you get the paper to bus ticket, another quarter million people. How many times? Quarter million, 300, 400, 500,000? Well, that's right. I mean, we're having, uh, you know, probably on average, imagine a Super Bowl stadium, uh, 70,000 people in one of those. Well, two of those full came in in February, more than that. And two of those full came in in January. That's that's the 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 volume we're looking at every month we're getting 160 170,000 uh, migrants that cross the border or attempt to cross the border and the numbers are just collapsing every system that we have uh, and when the only thing that has really even I mean that, that's already a mega crisis uh, historic US mega crisis with second third fourth order uh, consequences that are going to be with us forever uh, but the Title 42 turn back slowed it up a, a quite a bit. Uh, the, it, it couldn't be permanent. Uh, you had to eventually get rid of it, just like masks and everything else. But uh, when they do get rid of that, they're looking at uh, at least a couple hundred thousand more uh, coming across that border. We could be looking at three to four hundred thousand in the first month of that. Okay. Uh, by my Hold on, man. I, I don't want this to get lost in your Ivy League bureaucratic tease here. <laughs> Where'd you go to college? Well, uh, undergrad, uh, Northern Arizona University, which was not um, Ivy. You say Northern then, Arizona uh, University. University. Journalism School. Guy's getting paid by the word. Where'd you, where'd you, where'd you do your graduate studies? University of Missouri uh, School of Journalism and uh, Naval Postgraduate School. I have two of them. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, have you ever written a book? Working on another one. What's the name of the book? It's the Amer it's America's Covert Border War. Okay, look here. America's Covert Border War. This is exactly what he writes about. Right? About jihadists trying to get over the border. Yeah, your guy. The guy wrote for a decade for the Dallas Morning News. The guy knows the border. I'm just bringing that to you. Make up your own mind. Like I said, we can all decide who comes in, who, who doesn't. But this bureaucracy and this administration, as the last one, the one before that, and the one before that, and the one before that, and the one before that, is so slothful, so lazy. Bums. You're bums. You're fucking bums. It's just a fact. Hey, Todd, if they um, do not renew Title 42, uh, are there any Ukraine-type ramifications? Or Because, I mean, there's a big refugee problem there. What what happens? With, yeah, is, is, in other words, is now already, the right time to be doing Are we this? seeing Ukrainians right now? For, forget what's going to happen. Are we seeing Ukrainians right now? 
yeah, hundreds of Ukrainian refugees are already showing up at the southern border and they're crossing in as we speak. Uh, we had about 300 in February. Altogether, we've had about 1,300 Ukrainians show up at the southern border, mostly at Tijuana uh, since October. And we're in a surge. It's doing it's it's going straight up. So I think that that this is kind of just the beginning okay, of pause, the Ukrainians showing up. Right. Now watch. There's actually a war there. Okay. Uh, again, as I've said, I'm on the right. I'll say it again. Uno otra vez, amigos. I would do it too. I would do it too. I ain't hating. I'd do it too. But you now know, everybody in the world knows. Russians know, Ukrainians know, Venezuelans know. Everybody know. Get out of plane, get to Monterrey, and fucking hire a coyote and get your ass to the border. How about... How about you in Washington anticipate this and get us some kind of refugee policy for the Ukrainians so we can all discuss it? So they don't make it. Is there no way for a refugee to get to this country? Amen. This is some shit. Because I don't think, Karen, uh, you're against against war refugees trying to come to the promised land? But I do think that there has to be some process and some plan, some protocol. I mean, I do. You just don't. You we just don't. I don't want to say this the wrong way. So no, I'm not against it. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that we open up the floodgates. I mean, the, this country doesn't take care of the people that are already here. Oh, God, so right. I mean, they don't. And so we're adding insult to injury. Uh, we're inviting people to come in that we either are not going to help, can't take care of, or won't take care of. In fact, if they need it. So that's why I'm against, I'm not against it, but cautious about it. Really cool, Karen. I mean, let's elect this woman to something. No bum rush. No bum. We're better than this. But I, I mean, don't it think it doesn't we make are. sense, Charlie. I mean, we we talk about the the people in the nursing homes. We talk about people that have been in catastrophic, and this is just for the state of Michigan. This country has enough resources to make sure that people are taken care of should need be. I'm not saying everybody's going to ride around in a Rolls Royce and, you know, have a private jet, but there should not be hunger. There should not be homelessness. There are issues that we constantly contribute to that we are able to solve. And it just doesn't make any sense to continue to add burdens to that unsolved, those unsolved issues. It just doesn't. Todd makes his last point here before we move on. Go on, Todd. Uh, What I'd like to say is that the Ukrainians have great options to them for war refugees. The best options I've seen, for one thing, the EU has opened up the borders of all 27 members to Ukrainian refugees for three-year residences with full access to the job market, work authorization, and their healthcare systems. They can pick any one of those countries. So, the idea that they are, you know, coming to our southern border as some kind of desperate, you know, ru- you know, fleeing uh, the bombing of a maternity ward is absurd. These people have great options where they are in their own neighborhood. And I think we've got enough problems at the southern border with those two and a half million people who are collapsing everything in an asylum system that they're going to access. I don't think we need them to be coming to the border. We don't need to encourage that. They've we got, got we got a better way. We can, we can do it like the Europeans. Let's let's put some dignity into this. The same as 
if you're from Guatemala and you're working in Miami, your kid doesn't need to go through the hands of a smuggler. We can have a program where you report to the embassy and we'll get your kid to you. There's ways to do this. This is a mess. So let's go like this. Let's go like this. We're moving on. You can hang if you so choose, brother. What is the administration doing? Let me just give you a quick rundown because we got people all over the world and I've been to many parts of the world, as has Todd, okay? Been to the Middle East, been to the oil fields, watch them burn. What are we doing? The Russians are involved in negotiations to reinstitute the Iran nuclear deal. It's so bad so watered down that even Biden's negotiators walked away from it. And that, according to Wall Street Journal, part of the negotiations are Russia will not be sanctioned when it comes to trading nuclear business with the Iranians. This is fact. <laughs> is this the right time to be doing this? This is in fact. Now, part two, we're begging the Venezuelans with the largest oil reserves in the world that are under sanctions. And the Saudis to pump some more oil for us. But the Saudis won't even return Biden's call because, I mean, rightly or wrongly, he called him a pariah state. What, what's the name of the prince? Uh, uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that? He chopped up the reporter. Yep, Khashoggi. Yep, had him put him in suitcases and take him out of the embassy in Turkey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. Terrible. Yeah. He's a criminal. Putin's a criminal. But you know what? When you offend the Saudis who can turn on the spigot right now. Yeah. And then you come you come begging back. Bad policy. Everybody smells weakness. When you've been around the world, when you've been to Russia, when you've been to Qatar, when you've been to Kuwait and Iraq, when you've been to Latin America, people respect some sort of strength. We're all over the fucking joint here. We got, as you heard at the top of the program, they don't have ammo in the Ukraine, right? And we send the vice president to Poland to deliver a speech about how we're in it to win it, and we support the Ukrainian people because they're part of NATO, but they're not part of NATO, which is the whole sort of underpinnings of this thing, right? Yeah, the reason we can't get involved. How close is NATO going to push to Russia, you know, and how, when is Russia going to push back? Again, I know your culture wars out there. Putin's a criminal. Mm -hmm. He's fucking shelling apartment buildings and hospitals. Mm -hmm. it's, this, it's medieval. That's what they did in medieval times. Charlie but, Todd said that this should not be a red or a blue issue. But the reality is, is that everything is either political or it's performative. The vice president's trip to, for, to Poland was performative. You know, we constantly see this administration do things uh, for a show, but it has no substance. It has no impact, as Charlie said. It has no strength. So, you know, everything, unfortunately, is political. Some things shouldn't be, but everything is. Play this clip. Okay, that's true. But here's the thing. When you're doing a performance... You got to study your lines. Exactly, yeah. you, you have to study the script. Yeah, you can't be a bad performer. And by the way, if like, like Hamilton, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's somewhat accurate. The guy studied. Yeah. Either. Well, he read a book, but yeah. 
either she went off script or the script writers are, are <laughs> shitheads. Listen to listen to what our vice president in the midst of a simmering world war is saying. Go ahead. So I will say what I know we all say and I will say over and over again. The United States stands firmly with the Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. Uh, uh, no, Listen, you wait, get, somebody and somebody said this, Charlie, we got what you voted for. I mean, everybody got caught up in the hype. When we said this before, I'm not even going to repeat it. You got what you voted for. <laughs> yeah, okay, but you know, thank you, Trump, with your your, your 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 capital bullshit and your tax cut that broke the bank. And yes, this inflation is sitting with you, bro. All right, okay, come on. Yes, but you did get what you voted for. You got what? Play it again. <laughs> I, I here, watch. So I will say what I know we all say, and I will say Pause. over and over again. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> you can leg me. Me. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. How, I don't know how she cannot keep the NATO Ukraine thing straight. That's the most basic thing. Well, we heard her explain the basic uh, aspects of it before, right? On radio, but I, uh, it's beyond me. Yeah, right? Damn, is it Chiots? Historia, study history. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, maybe she learned not to laugh. For the sake of my daughter and this gasoline. And we're begging? We're begging? No. Okay. Todd. Yes. I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Oh, Todd's loving it. He's loving it. I've, I've watched this podcast. He's actually smiling on this one. This one's fun. Yeah. This one's fun. She has been a disaster on every stop she's gone to. That's what blows my mind. About Let's this. bring Todd in for the final thought. Todd, she she is she not our immigration czar? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think she, I don't know if she ever accepted the job <laughs> offer uh, on that one. because she she I think she grudgingly went down to the border a couple times, but she went to a spot that had like three or four walls. So there's like no action at all there. Every time those guys go down there to the border, they go to where there's nobody crossing. Um, so, you know, what kind of a border czar does that? Uh, you know, you, you go, you go down to the river and you watch them come over. Um, and, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I, Kamala Harris um, is a different person when she's sitting in the White House. I've been studying her um, her primary uh, candidacy lately because I'm writing a book and I'm having to go back into what she was saying and doing. And she's just a chameleon. It's all she's just a. a I mean, she just come says come whatever come she come has come to. Come a chameleon. Oh my God! Wait, wait. I, I got a new song. Wait, I got a new song. Kamala, 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 chameleon. Yeah. You come and go. Do not come. Do I mean? Nah, and, you the know, worst this, of them. She wanted to be in the White House. She didn't get any support in her uh, uh, nomination uh, to be president. So okay, Biden make a promise to the black people. I'm going to find you a person of color so you will continue to vote for me and 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 maintain your black card. And he did. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. 
Yeah. Right? And he's, he's just teetering on the edge of life. It seems like, so, <laughs> you know, she actually is like one heartbeat away from holding the office. Yeah. Uh, we've got, you know, three years to go. And she will be my president. And she that's, the, and that's the way just, it goes. Somebody just, somebody just reminded me too. Uh, one of our listeners said, remember she called Joe Biden a racist when they were running. Like yeah. people think that all this stuff goes away now that we're friends and okay, we work together. So did she really not think he was, or was he, and now it's okay that she works for him. She was running. Okay. Yep. Okay. Hey, Todd. Yes. Did George W. Bush stink? Uh, on what issue? Uh, you know, like terrorism in the border. Uh, on terrorism, he, I thought he was pretty good, except that he made the Iraq mistake. Oh, the uh, little, that little old, that little uh, hold on a second. Let me just, let me just check Iraq the obscure mistake. file down here. Um, but you know, my opinion <laughs> was that he should have invaded Iran instead, but you know, that's a whole other novel. Okay. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> what about the border? Uh, you know, he, he was a, he's, he comes, he's cut from the Republican cloth that under, he's from an ag state, agriculture state. So he's a guy who kind of came from the, He stunk. He stunk. Yes or no? Did he stink? Uh, yes, he stunk. I, you know, in my opinion, it was mixed. He wanted to do a, um, you know, a worker program, uh, like a Bracero program. I don't think it would have worked. But he never did it. So when we're talking yeah. about the records that are being set, they're George Bush records. They're George Bush records. And it all comes from NAFTA. NAFTA was pushed by his daddy, signed by Clinton, overseen by Junior, and it's been runaway since. That's more or less correct, is it not, Mr. Big Book Writer? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm. That's why I have a Pulitzer Prize and you don't. Because I can communicate it. <laughs> That's why I'm in a basement and, and you work for a really august think tank with all those books behind you. That's what it got me. Lower level, Charlie. Lower, lower level. level. Lower le See, but that diminishes me, Karen. It's, it says lower. I don't want to say poor or lower. Okay, well, we don't say poor, but we don't say basement. That sounds so like a struggle uh, word. I just want to say sort of geographically challenged. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, I have to say, I, I mean, until you wrote the Rossi story, I, I wasn't familiar with you, but, but I have spent a, a bit of time online uh, looking, looking at your, uh, your body of work. And man, you're, you're, you and I could have been friends back in the day if we were in the same town. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old school journalist too you know, from the same kind of cut from that same cloth. I was listening to you guys talking uh, about the state of television news and journalism in general earlier and would have jumped in on that too, because I'm like right there with you guys. It's just, it's all fallen to pieces now. Um, we don't do what we used to do. Well, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna, that's what that's look, you know, we got Huel. I love it. Huel now calls himself middle of the road. <laughs> that's how fucked up this is like remember Elbrooks Patterson in yes. Oakland County oh yeah you know the head honky in oh, charge yeah. <laughs> yep. the racist and death penalty guy he goes the Republican Party's so whacked out I look like a centrist <laughs> <laughs> well the extremes are pushing everybody to they the are yeah. man I'm not moving don't make it your identity not moving but here's what we are going to move towards yes oh they're scared of us Attorney General Dana Nessel of Michigan 
decides to wait until 4 o'clock on a Friday, which is after we're off the air, knowing full well it's a spiritual, human, and legal war going on here about the nursing home death count. Here's what she puts out after we're off the air. It's not over, madam. Not over. Puts out a memo, says, quote, the characterization by legislators and various <clears throat> media outlets suggesting that the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services intentionally underreported and misrepresented the number of COVID-19 deaths at long-term facilities is not supported by the Auditor General's report. Number one, that report wasn't a report. It was just a graph. It was charts. It was numbers. The numbers show these things to be off by 42%. So bullshit, madam. Number two, you write, the analyses are simply distinct. The, what the Auditor General and the state Whitmer's health department came up with two vastly different numbers. She arrives at the conclusion that they are simply distinct methods of trying to reach the same number, albeit of a different set of facilities. What? 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 Well, why not count all the facilities? Yeah, like New York did. Like you misled us. You mean you're counting some facilities and not other facilities? We all thought you were counting all the facilities, but even the facilities you weren't counting. When the Auditor General looked at the facilities you were counting, that number was off 25%. The nursing home hubs where you commingled people was off 25%. Thus, Madam Nessel writes, comparing the counts is largely meaningless. Moreover, neither count was generated through malice or ill intent. And most importantly, neither the health department or the AG, the Auditor General, suggests that any law has been broken. Well, how would we know? You're not going to look into it. How would we know that? Now, here's the news. New York did it again. I, uh, let me just say that. Let me just get to it. You're an ugly human being. We deserve an investigation just to get to an answer so we can improve processes. But it's an election year, isn't it? And you know what you're doing next week? Everybody, you know what she's doing next week? She's going to be a guest speaker at the Healthcare Association of Michigan, hmm. the umbrella group for the nursing homes. How convenient. At a nice little luncheon. And Battle Creek. Wow. Are you going, Charlie? <laughs> Maybe we send red. We deserve it. Have lunch with us. Here's what New York came we'll up come with. Come here. Here's what, yeah, oh yeah. You I mean, mean on this program? Well, she had the memo chick, prepared. Chicken I mean, shit. She could have come on last week. I'd plus, I'd drink you under the table. <laughs> and taking your fish sandwich too, Mark. <laughs> well, and let's keep her out of here. New York controller Thomas DiNapoli, Democrat in New York, Democratic state echoes what Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, Democrat, found in New York, which was this what they found. New York Department of Health underreported the number of deaths in the nursing homes due to COVID-19 at 4,100. Michigan's was 2,500. New York's twice as big as Michigan, meaning double it. That's 5,000 in Michigan. 
4,100 in New York. Plus, New York was counting assisted living. You might ask what those are. Those are places that don't have nurses, but they have bingo night. That's what yeah. we all think are old people homes, right? Yep. That they're not being drip fed. and They're being assisted. And they yeah. can wash themselves. In a little bit of, yeah. And they cook their food. New York counted those. We didn't even count those, though Governor Whitmer in her executive order said to count them. We didn't even count them. So this could be really bad. So don't fucking tweet me saying, what kind of journalism is that? It's a probable because we don't have the number, D-bag. You do what you want. Don't bother me. I'm busy. Busy trying to help old people. That's what we're all doing here. I go on. New York, Comptroller, DiNapoli. The department was slow in its response to a directive from the federal government to carry out surveys of nursing homes for infection control problems. Same with us. We reported it. In fact, you didn't even do it. In fact, when you finally got around to it, half of them flunked in your hubs. We go on. Our, says the controller, our findings are extremely troubling. The public was misled by those at the highest level of state government through distortion. New Yorkers deserve the truth. The pandemic is not over, and I am hopeful the current administration will make changes to improve accountability and protect lives. Why aren't we? Am I going on here? Should I just get off the air now? No, I. You know, it's. I was just looking at her memo too. That last line, you know, based on the preliminary review of the ongoing efforts, no um, further investigation is unwarranted. As you know, they don't want to do another investigation. I'm thinking about because it is an election year. That would make me more likely to vote for her if she actually did an investigation in it. Yeah, Not she, if what you're going to uncover would compromise her so position what? and stance and what she said. No, that wouldn't make sense. Oh, I don't know. Says the Comptroller of, allowed Mich to, of, no. of New York. Rather than providing accurate and reliable information during a public health emergency, the department instead conformed its presentation to the executive's narrative, yeah, sounds... often presenting data in a manner that misled the public. There is no other way to say it here. Yeah. You are garbage. You failed in Flint. You failed with Nasser. You ran down barbers and harassed them. You ran down restaurant owners putting out press releases so happy that they got arrested and you can't bother yourself with this. You're no friend of mine. Those other press releases, I bet, weren't on a Friday at four. This from the Empire Where, where you Center bury stuff, yeah. Of New York. Think tank. Much like my good friends at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. They worked hard. They got the data. Here's what they found. When you commingle people, like we did, and the governor's now pretending she didn't, and Healthcare Association of Michigan saying they never instituted it, which they did, because if you took a COVID, you made a COVID bed, put up a plastic sheet, called it a COVID ward, every bed in there, you got 5,000 extra bucks. It was a financial incentive. Plus you had your hubs, the 21 hubs that failed the inspection reports. 9% additional deaths when you co-mingled people in nursing homes. An average of 4.2 people a facility. We deserve an investigation. You won't do it. I challenge you to come on the program. You can't.
I'm smarter than you. I do my job better than you. We all do. We just want good government. And honest answers, Charlie. That's the thing. Like, we're not stupid. People aren't stupid. And, and they're tired of being treated and talked to as though they are. Republican governor Rick Snyder was a fraud. All those people around him that put the Flint water deal together, those lawyers and whatnot and contractors, all the big boys, you know, Republicans and Democrats, fraud. I call it where I see it. You know what? I live here in Michigan. Let me, let me tell you this. My city council, Democrats. My state rep, Democrat. State senator, Democrat. My two senators in the United States, Democrats. My governor, a Democrat. The mayor of Detroit, a Democrat. The president of the United States, a Democrat. The vice president, a Democrat. The Senate majority leader in Washington, a Democrat. The speaker of the house, a Democrat. What do you want from me? They're all Democrats right now. They're just the holders of power. But Dan Gilbert's not a Democrat. He's a Republican. Big Trump guy. Changed all the tax laws. Yep. Where's our stuff, Dan? Where's our stuff? So give me a break. Karen, do we got the Gucci video? I haven't seen this. This is wild. Karen. Yes. Set this up here. Because you called it. You Let me set it up she to did. your setup. I'll set up your setup. Go ahead. Karen was talking about they're opening a, a Gucci store in one of Dan Gilbert's buildings and make it look good or to get the urban element out of the suburban mall because of behavioral issues. Something like that, Karen? Yes, Charlie, that's the nice white man version of it. Let me tell you what I Thanks for white explaining. I'm a mulatto. <laughs> I'm saying, and I've said this before, uh, you know, it, it, urban teens, black teens, black people love designer couture they like it they, they buy it they spend it their expendable income supports a lot of these brands a lot of them influence some of the designs in the brands but the behavior of some of that demographic is not welcome or it's frowned upon at the mall here in uh somerset in troy michigan so when they announced that they were going to uh place a gucci store uh downtown in one of dan gilbert's buildings uh someone in that organization said it was part of a trade-off deal for extending the lease at somerset maybe they were thinking about closing uh and it's going to also be accompanied or joined by a sugar factory which is another that's going to be another mess anyway um so on <laughs> march 13th uh Crime in the D, and they, he listens to the show. He posted on his Twitter page a video of a fight taking place in the Gucci store. And I said, this is exactly what they don't want out there. So my 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 thoughts are like, hey, we're going to put all this stuff downtown. You all stay downtown, stay out of Somerset, because we don't want this out here. I mean, that's the unspoken desire. Okay. Now, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen any of this. Okay, get ready. Okay.
Now, notice they also have a Tiffany bag in their hand. I mean, this and I'm telling you, if you if you go, I hate Somerset. I don't like Somerset. I don't like it at all. I don't like how they treat people. I have not liked it for years. I go only because they have a couple stores and we don't have any place else in the state. But you can tell that you're not welcome. And I feel that way. I know that other people have that same feeling. I mean, it's 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 crazy, but they expect everybody to act this way. When incidents like this happen, it doesn't do anything for changing, you know, the perception or, uh, you know, extending the welcome mat. Hey, I don't know what to say, Charlie. Because you said you want to talk about it. So I got to think about this. First of all, that is much more tame than, you know, in Manhattan, they have shoe weekend. Mm -hmm. Like all shoes half off. You get fucking mauled. Like, it was disgusting. I'll never do it again. Plus, I got the wrong size shoe. I didn't know my <laughs> wife was, you know, telling me her shoe her foot was smaller than it actually was. We'll fix that net in post. It's very sure. small, okay. very small feet. Tiny. But, <clears throat> so what's to be drawn from that? Like, yeah, of course you like Gucci, but you don't want, you don't want that in there. So what's to be drawn here from this? You don't. I, I guess from from my perspective, it's got to be um, your perspective because I don't want to end up on Twitter. Well, and that's okay too, Charlie. Again, everybody's not going to agree with you. Everybody's not going to agree with me. Sometimes people take things out of context. I, I just my thing is that I have never wanted to take my money where it was not welcome. I remember I was in Europe. I bought my son a gift from Louis Vuitton. It needed to be exchanged. I took it to Somerset and she says, oh, she says, you, 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 you bought this in Milan. And I said, yeah. She says, well, what's the shopping like there? I said, it makes Somerset look like a strip mall. That's exactly what it is. So this to a lot of people is the end all to be all when in actuality, most retail outlets have a level of respect for people that keep them in business. It's not always approached with apprehension and fear. You're, in my you're, opinion, you're, you're dancing that's, what around. This, that's what this is here. What you're dancing around. Because do you want to stop at this that store if that's what's, I don't, if that's I don't what's buy, going on? I haven't bought Gucci for okay. 99 okay. years. Tiff, I wouldn't Tiffany, go in there. What, whatever. I, you I know what I'm saying. There. Do you want to shop there if that's the kind of shit going on? No, I do not. So what to do about it? Well, but see, there's the balancing at, Charlie, because a, a, that is your demographic that is placing and pumping a lot of money exactly. into those stores. So what to do? What are we going to do? Like, let's, buy, let's buy put one game? closer to home so you don't have to come out here. Let's separate. Let's, I mean, that's what, that's what I thought the strategy was behind putting the store downtown in the first place. Well, that's what you were told. That's what I was told. From the inside. Good idea, bad idea. I don't think it's going to make a difference, actually, because Boom. I think that, you know, you've got one store and I think that one store may, you know, attract some folks, but you've got all the stores that, you know, the people, like I said, the one lady had a Tiffany bag in her hand. So, you know, you don't have a Tiffany downtown, you don't have, I, you know, a Saks and all the other stuff. So I, I don't know. I That's, say this, America's coming apart at the wheels. You want order? Like, it's not just cops, right? Look, no. if everybody, I got a solution, it's going to cost a but but Gucci charges an arm and a leg. Yep. He, you want peace in your store. You see San Francisco. Fuck it. People just like, yeah, ain't, ain't nothing to keep order here. Yeah. We're just going to take shit. Individual attention to every customer. If there's more salespeople 
dealing with people, people aren't arguing over a bag. Yeah. Good service. You know, yeah. I mean, if you want an answer in America, that's what it is. You're not going to change <laughs> habits. You're not going to change culture. I'm an irascible redneck myself, mulatto. But you know what I'm saying? Like, do something to, to keep the place cool. Don't turn it into a strip mall. Does that make sense? I'm trying to find a, a, an answer here. There isn't an answer, Charlie. It's just not, you know, I mean, it's, it's, oh. it's not an answer. And like you said, our, our country, our community is unraveling at the seams. Um, the people that unfortunately that dis display this type of behavior have a right to be there. I mean, it's just unfortunate that we as a community and as a society, you know, have, have, have come to the fact that we think that not just doing this in general, but doing this in public is yeah. okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. But I would say this. I try to find an answer here. Instead of treating people like uh, an issue, treat them as a customer and give them, give them when I go in, I want service. Because yep. I, I will go into Tiffany's. I like those little charms for the bracelet. You know, I like those. Keepsakes. Gentlemen, you, get a Tiffany bracelet and start collecting the charms. They're wonderful. But you know what, Charlie? I hate to say it. I, I, I do. I want some service. I, it's it's easier. I've shopped on Rodeo Drive, Chicago, Ew. New York. You're, I mean, I, I shop. But I am not going to beg you. I'm not going to take my American Express and put it on my forehead to prove to you that I am deserving of courtesy and attention. I can't tell you how many times I, I wrote. I wrote a column about shopping at Neiman Marcus years ago, and the general manager reached out to me because it's like they will look over. They don't want you out there. I don't want to go somewhere that I'm not wanted. I am not going to beg you to take my money, and I, plus, I don't need anything else anyway. And let so me suggest. I just, <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. No, every customer should be treated with respect. You know, some, you shouldn't some, have give me to some service. prove to somebody that, yeah, they you do. You know where you and get so service? Do I have to show you my bank account to get you to say, may I help you? You get service in Chinatown. When you yeah, want to buy a Folex, <laughs> when you buy a Folex, I mean, they, they got nothing but time for you. Let me get the <laughs> Folex. They Fifth look Avenue, good. Canal Street. I mean, people understand the importance <laughs> of retail and the value of a customer. So... <laughs> Oh my God! She shopped everywhere: <laughs> Milan, Rodeo, Canal Street, Canal Street. <laughs> wherever they want her. Oh God! Only if they want her. We gotta, we gotta have her do a makeover. She's gonna dress me. Ooh, with her furs. Yeah, the furs. Uh, I can hear you guys. Don't oh, talk about. I forgot, like I forgot I'm she was still here. Done. This isn't over. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, speaking of which. So Speaking act right, everybody. Summer's coming. Act right. You know, stay, stay calm. Yeah. You you deserve yeah. the respect that you show. Yes, you deserve to be there. Yes, you're welcome to shop. And staff, but, you the, know, staff the shops. We you know like spend right. some money on some help. Give people attention in the high end stores. Yeah. I get I get mad when I got to sit there and like I want to I want to see one of those little uh, danglies on the on the bracelet. I want somebody to help me. I like yeah, going. I, mean, I like but you going walk into, into the store, store and they point you to a certain area. It's like, okay, maybe that's not what I wanted. I, I like going to those stores because you do get help. I took it back. I didn't want it. It's like, no. Again, I like going into those stores because I'm not used to somebody walking up to me and saying, "Can I help you as a personal shopper?" Yeah. And guys <laughs> with small children, if you ever go into one of those high end stores, take your small child. They love you. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. Then you're cute to them. Then it's charming. Take my kids there. I, I, you know, you got daughters, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Take your little daughters. No. Oh, isn't that sweet? No. Buying mm. mama something really nice. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to spend an arm and a fucking like one pair of gloves and a scarf. $1,500. No, thanks. And then they give you a card, say, come back. And you're like, fuck <laughs> yeah, that. Because you're trying to look cool, like I've been here before. Yeah. And then it's $15 fucking hundred dollars for some gloves and, you're stuck and a scarf. Yeah. I'll never be back. <laughs> yeah. Ever. I don't get it. Yeah, and then that's, that's, that's the next part. Then you don't get any, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Oh, well. You gotta, you're going to spend for that stuff. Okay, now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I know what you're you know saying. What I'm yes. saying. We'll fix that in post. But no, we won't. Now, finally, on a more earthy level, regular folks yeah. trying to navigate gasoline and hamburger and what we're going through. Their needs. We don't ever get on the news, but this is the no bullshit news. So, our intrepid reporter, comedian Detroit Red, goes to the grocery store gas station to check up on your disposable income. He brings you this report. What's up? This is your boy, comedian Detroit Red, and everybody knows Inflation Monster is here. From the grocery stores to the pumps, we out here today to find out how people feeling about not getting as much bang for their buck as they used to. Chicken costs what pork used to cost, pork costs what beef used to cost, and now beef is just a poor man's dream. The people can handle it by something like a pack for $15, $16, $20. Before I buy chicken like this, $3, $4. Now. It's $12, $15. It's very hard, you know. Let me ask you this. You in the gas station, you cook chicken, a lot of workers come here. Do you hear them complaining about these gas prices? Man, I hear this every day, man. It's every day. Tired of these prices, man. Four dollars? Nah, I'm, I'm taking it you drive back and forth to work? Yes, sir, every day. Okay. So, so what were you spending on the tank of gas? Every day, I'm like pumping like every three, four days. I drive a V8. So what that cost you to fill him up? Like $80 full tank. And that's three, four days back and forth to work and everything else. It's not worth it, man. I'm thinking about going on the bus for real. Uh, I, you know what? I'm thinking about taking one of them electric scooters they got around here and use that. Does it, has it cut into your hanging out time? Ruin everything, man. I can't even go out on the weekends. I can't even buy weed. I can't even smoke no more. Uh, you see this? Even the young... That, don't mess with the smoke. That's what I'm saying. I got to make a decision between a good blunt or some gas. Exactly. Come holler at me right quick. Yeah, I want to hear... Hey, we getting it all. It's definitely a gas guzzle, but I'm just saying, if it was $20 a gallon, I'm still going to pay my $20 because I got to get to work and I got to get to my kids and my girl, okay? No truer words. I Rant got was on the east side. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, no, Karen shops there too. <laughs> I got, I, hey, that's right on Jefferson across from the post office. I know exactly where Red was. <laughs> right by his house, the bum. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that though? You got us by the balls. So here, let's let's bring this all back around. I need some competent people who've been around the world and understand how things work. You got to understand how things work. We've been in bed with creeps forever. 
You're going you're gonna to diss the, the Saudis, they're going to come back and get you. It's called real politics. You want to fuck with the Mexicans? They'll, they'll send a half a million refugees your way. Right? You want to fuck with the city? They'll come after the Gucci store. You want to fuck with the suburbs? You'll lose your job. You notice underneath everything, underneath everything going on in the world, from the perspective of America, the nursing homes, Ukraine, gas, the Saudis, the southern border, that when you get into the stories, when you watch the stories or read them, they talk about midterm elections because they're shit scared for their jobs. I encourage you to think for yourself. And I don't hate you. You're my brother, you're my sister, and your children are my relations. Having said that, be more like Huel. Be like Huel. And do the work like Todd. Thanks for being with us, Todd. Karen, as always, sister. Love you guys. Equally. Love you.